Hey, Ernie here. Welcome to the Part-Time Tech Podcast. Today's guest is Sahil Lavingia, the founder of Gumroad. If you're not familiar with Sahil or Gumroad, he was the number two engineer at Pinterest, but he left to start Gumroad. It's a website that makes it really easy for anyone to sell digital goods on the internet. So through some viral blog posts, he's shared Gumroad's journey from trying to become a huge unicorn to instead becoming a profitable company of completely part-time employees. Sahil had so much insight, we decided to split this episode into two parts. Today's part one. If you want part two, make sure to follow, subscribe, do all that good stuff. Sahil's really thoughtful. He had a lot of original ideas. I think you'll find it interesting. Hope you like it. Sahil Lavingia, the founder of Gumroad, uh, recent author of The Minimalist Entrepreneur. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Excited to do this. Awesome. So why don't we just jump right into it? Um, Gumroad is the company you started. I actually remember like over 10 years ago when you launched this thing on Hacker News and being pissed that I didn't come up with the idea first. I even have like a cold email from you over 10 years ago trying to get users. So respect mm -hmm. that hustle. Um, and then, of course, I, I read your viral blog post called Reflecting on My Failure to Build a Billion Dollar Company. So you raised a ton of money from the big VCs, but ended up failing to be a unicorn, had layoffs and revived the company leaner, focused on profits. So it's very clear from reading all that and hearing, you know, you talk on podcasts and other things that ordeal changed how you think about work, business, even life. And then you came out with another blog post last year, uh, no meetings, no deadlines, no full-time employees, which of course caught my eye because I, I hadn't seen this before where a very well-known kind of popular tech company is exploring lots of part-time employees, let alone everybody. So t tell me a bit about the mental process and the change for you from thinking about, I'm going to build this big unicorn to, hey, let's do a sustainable business here with part-time employees. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So yeah, Gumroad started out as, you know, people are familiar with just generally the, the venture backed path, right? Yep. So you raise money, you sell 10, 20% of the company, you promise this billion dollar vision and everyone who joins the company, it's sort of the main reason they join is, you know, the impact, but then also sort of the reward mechanism is you get some equity in the company and this, you know, millions of dollars in this billion dollar sort of acquisition or, or IPO or, or what have you. And that's great when it works, right? The problem is it, it normally doesn't work. Uh, mm -hmm. And the way that, you know, people deal with this, founders start multiple companies, employees join multiple companies, VCs invest in multiple companies at the same time. Uh, really, the VCs, I think, have the best model, right? Which is they figured out that right. the, like the sort of high failure rate allows for them to make a bunch of these investments. And as long as they hit like one stripe every once in a while, like it kind of allows for this, this model to work. And it's not too dissimilar from maybe publishing with Harry Potter or movies or a lot of these sort of portfolio sort of theory businesses. The issue is that if you are, you know, as I mentioned before, a founder or an employee working at the company, you're, you can't have a portfolio generally, right? You're kind of stuck right. with one thing. And so I think one of the sort of the big takeaways for me was after four or five years of running the business as like a monopoly on my identity, all of a sudden, it basically going to almost a complete zero uh, and saying, well, if you put everything in one basket and that basket is now a zero, like what else, like what else am I, you know? Yeah. And so I think that was really like a big moment for me to say, okay, like work is important. I still love working, uh, still work a lot, still like coding, still like building stuff. But as a, I think as a component of like a more full life, uh, I think is really key. And I think also just getting slightly older, you know, when you're mm -hmm. 18, 19, living in San Francisco, working at an early stage tech company, it feels like every day is a month, you know, it's kind of like summers yep. when you're in middle school or something, <laughs> you know, 
uh, well, you get a little older, you work in a company that doesn't work, you realize like if you enjoy the work, like if you enjoy doing this, like you're going to be doing it for 20, 30, 40 years. Right. And so it's sort of like if you're optimizing for like the first five years of this 40 year race, like mm. what do you do for the other 35 years? Right. Yeah. Um, and so I just kind of took a different framing of like, I still have ambition. I still want to grow Gumroad into a large business and, and have a lot of impact and hire people and work with smart people and learn a lot from them, et cetera. All those things are the same. Mm-hmm. But I think of a, I think of it just like in a much more broad context where Gumroad for me is one of many things for the people who work on Gumroad. It's many things for even the people who use Gumroad. It's often one of many things that they, you know, they use to generate revenue. And so I think, you know, not for every company, uh, but I think for the path that Gumroad took running it this way, I think makes a lot of sense where we all care about the product. We all want to make it better, but I don't think it requires this sort of bundled identity where you need to sort of get a t-shirt and like wear a uniform, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. Like, I just don't yeah. think it's necessary, at least for what we are building. Uh, right. Not to say that, you know, it's the right way for everything, but, and then I, th- I would say the other, the only other thing is like, it's, it's stuff that seems obvious maybe to a lot of people. Like, of course you should focus on profitability and stay lean and don't hire too many people and all these things. But I think the market macro environment makes that just hard right mm-hmm. it makes it really tricky when there's people throwing money at you and the interest rates are super low and also when you're competing with people who can pay engineers a lot more money than you can if you're profitable or bootstrapped so i think the the nuance of gumroad is that we we have always just reacted to like what we can do in the market right, right. and so when, you know if we were growing faster maybe we do something else if we we're growing slower we do something else if we you know i think it's it's always dependent on that and i think the sort of optionality is has always been really key key for me, right? So even right. when we raised the seed round or the A, you know, I never gave up control of the board. Like these things have always been key because you never know, right? You never right. know if this thing is going to work or not. And you need to, I think, preserve optionality. And I think in situations where things can get pretty close to zero, like when people kind of do this expected value cal- calculation, they don't think about the fact that they might go to zero. And when you go to zero, like you don't go negative and then come back up, right? <laughs> right. Like your plane yeah. just around and blows up and you're done. And so I think I've always sort of run Gumroad with that in mind mm-hmm. and my life, frankly, with that in mind, which is like, I never, I will always want to be in a place where I have freedom to choose. I can right. always leave. Cause I think a lot of people kind of get stuck uh, for whatever reason in a certain place or in company, either, you know, like cost wise or, or emotionally or identity wise. And I think yeah. it just makes it harder to like, look at and find truth in the situation, right. Mm-hmm. Where you're like, Hey, am I really working on the right thing? It's hard to say no when like your identity is so tied up into that yeah, thing, absolutely. right. And even, even like leaving San Francisco made it a lot easier, I think. Right. Because when, when that happened, that moment, uh, when I, when I failed to raise venture capital, that was 2015. But when I mm-hmm. sort of restructured the company into this sort of part-time way, that was in 2016, 2017, 2018, when yeah. I'd already left San Francisco. And so I think it was easier for me to kind of say, this is what Gumroad should do because I wasn't surrounded by a bunch of people doing it a certain kind of way, right? Yeah. Where it's like, this is what you do. This is how much we pay people. This is, you know, what time people show up in the office. Like it's it's sort of a, you know, when you're physically in a sort of this mimetic environment, like right. San Francisco, you know. It's hard um, to escape it. Yeah, you do, you know, because every time you do, you have, it's like, why, you know, why are you doing this weird thing that no one else does, you know? Exactly. But now we're so, hiring remote, <laughs> right? So, you know, there's there you're. I think you're you're more allowed to say, you know, hey, this is the way that we do things. And Twitter is kind of this new San Francisco in a way, right? It's like yeah. San Francisco in the cloud, and so you can sort of, I think I think it, it creates an opportunity for a lot of companies to say, hey, this is the kind of way we plan to work, 
-hmm. These are the kinds of people who will work really well with us. And that might alienate 99% of people on, you know, in San Francisco, uh, but who cares, right? I mean, there's- <laughs> There's a lot of other people in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of those amazing people in San Francisco have also kind of left and are looking for more work-life balance and and these sorts of things. I think ma macro-wise, you know, if, if, you know, the whole sort of startup journey, like it's so much built around this sort of every year you have growth, right? Mm -hmm. um, yep. And the company valuation and the size of the company. So your personal growth within the company changes. And so when you when you have a sort of a multi-year recession potentially, I think a lot of people will kind of recalibrate and certain other job opportunities might be might be more interesting. Um yeah. Yeah, and, people, right. So and, and I think, you know, we're about the same age and like this is the first real recession we're kind of going through. You know, two thousand eight was like a little early for me at least. It was like right when I was going to school and we're only used to this environment where, you know, chart goes up, stocks go up, right? Yeah. It's like, wait, it, like that graph can go the other direction, right? So it, it sort of yeah. changes the complexion of, I mean, sort of everything, right? As we're seeing like very recently. Yeah, totally. And I think when you live in a, I mean, the world is always, you know, to a degree artificially constructed, right? Like mm -hmm. the amount of, like the degrees people have are massively influenced by the student loans. Like people, you know, like there's just yeah. like a lot less people would have degrees, right? Without those sorts of programs. And so there yeah. is like a level of, of socialization that I think is necessary. Like, I don't think we should just have like some sort of super laissez-faire society or anything. But I do think people have to realize like at the end of the day, the reason a business is worth, let's say $10 million uh -huh. is because that business will make $10 million in profit over the coming, you know, several years. Right. Right. And that's because otherwise why, why is like, why else would the company be worth yeah, that? It's like, what uh, is a stock actually worth? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So at the end of the day, like it may be hidden in layers and layers of abstraction, but at the end of the day, when you own a share in Coke, like the reason that share exists is right. so that when they issue a dividend, you get your, your little piece of that. Right. And yeah. so, that's reality. It's been obscured. And I think very quickly, the sort of fog of war is lifting. Um, and I don't know if it'll lift all the way there where it's like, oh, you're just now valued on like your dividends, right? Like EPS or, or something like that. I don't think startups will, you know, growth companies will still be valued like growth companies. But I think people will all of a sudden realize like, oh, this is this is why people invest in startups. Like this is why right. private equity buys companies. Like I think you don't live in a bubble. And I think sometimes when you're in sort of the venture capital ecosystem, you know, when someone gives you a bunch of money and you can just get an office and hire people for $200,000 a year and just build stuff for two years with like no, like no, basically no constraint, right? Yep. Uh, the only constraint is you run out of money in two years. But before right. that, you, you can do whatever you want. Right. Um, and I think that, yeah, people need to realize that like at some point, the reason, you know, that money is given to you in the first place is because every once in a while a really valuable company gets built and that's sure that value is measured in like revenue right like if you look at the amount of money that apple makes every year or even meta makes every year it's a lot right and ultimately right. that's the that's the the reason that potential is what sustains our ecosystem and the creativity and the shots that we get to make so yeah i think i don't know i think i think it's, a, it's a, it'll be a good reminder yeah. um Certainly, what a really durable, valuable company looks like. Absolutely, and it's gonna—it's just gonna change our perspective on like what does it mean to build a company, what is a good company, what's a profitable company. So, yeah. I actually want to go back to uh, something you said. So you said, you know, your your identity is not kind of bundled up just in Gumroad anymore. Back around, you know, 2015, 16, as these changes are happening, uh, I want to dig into some of the specifics of that actual change. Like, did you have employees who had to go from full time to part time? Like. You know, this all sounds 
you know, I'm, I'm on board with your thinking now, seven years later, <laughs> but like, what did it look like then? Like, did you have this idea? Like, Hey, I want to run the company this way. Or was there like soul searching? Someone else gave you this idea. Like, how did that actually happen? Cause that's a, that's a huge shift. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was gradual. So in the beginning, it, you know, it was sort of, you know, first off venture capital, right? So it was, mm-hmm. we're, we're going to raise a series B. We'd have raised the series A It'd been two and a half years. We'd, we were doing okay. We, we had this sort of up into the right curve. We went out to raise venture, realized, you know, pretty quickly we needed to be doing this, not this sort of up into the right linear thing. And so we kind of scrapped that. We raised a bridge round and basically just focused on, let's just work on revenue generating features. Right. And so like, let's, whatever we think we can generate revenue off of, like, let's just like focus on the short term instead of the long term, And let's prove to investors that we can like turn this into a, a cash machine did not work. <laughs> Turns out like, you know, if, if that would have worked, we probably would have done it before, right? Like it's mm-hmm. unlikely that these Hail Mary passes generally work. Otherwise you would do them more frequently. Yeah. And, and so it was really like, we had like, you know, four or five weeks of runway left basically. And I told the team, like, I'd rather have everyone stay together and then just make one really difficult decision at the end. That's, I know mm-hmm. sort of, I know I can do the math. I know exactly the cuts I need to make to get this from like, basically burning a bunch of money to profitable in overnight. Right. And so like we can, we can push that pretty aggressively. And so basically I said, you know, in January, we, we raised this bridge round. If we don't grow at this rate by, I think it was the end of October or the end of September, we're going to probably have to do layoffs. Like there's no other option unless we, we, cl- we raise money, but the raising money was dependent on this growth basically. Right. And right. so it's like, if we're not growing at this rate, we kind of have to do layoffs. That's the default really. And so it was basically going from 23 or so people down to five people. And then that five sort of people skeleton crew helped me sort of transition the company to profitable, sustainable, automated as much stuff as possible. And that took about six months or nine months. So sort of we did the layoffs in October. And I think by June of next year, we were like profitable with a team of three. And then at that point, it was like, hey, you guys should go work in better places that have more growth opportunities and can give you, you know, stock options and, and all these other things that you might want because mm-hmm. Gumroad was just kind of, it was kind of like flatlined, you know, it was, it was alive, yeah. but it, it was not doing anything. There was not enough profit really to hire enough of a team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's kind of like, look, this thing is still growing, right? It's still doing that up into the right thing. Yeah. Uh, but it might take a year two years, three years to have enough sort of a bank balance to build a team. And so, that's kind of what happened. We went from 20 to one and I kind of ran it myself for a while. And the most miserable part of running Gumroad by myself was doing support. And so when we finally had enough of a, of a profit sort of margin, we hired actually our full-time support person back, but in terms of a contract. And I basically said, just do what you're doing, what you were doing before, but, you know, just bill, you know, hourly. Right. And yep. that way, if you, you know, we don't have to kind of create a sort of official job description, like as long as there's work to do, you know, it'll happen. Yep. And then we had enough to hire an engineer and we kind of did the same thing with an engineer and then another engineer. And I didn't want to hire anyone full-time because I wasn't working full-time. I wasn't available, you know, full-time. I was basically taking science fiction fantasy writing classes in Provo, Utah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Connected from, from, from the Bay pretty, you know, I was kind of burnt out and, and all that stuff. And so when I, when I, yeah, when I sort of had the opportunity to kind of say, hey, what is Gumroad now? You know, people, I had published this viral blog post, people wanted an update, we we're thinking about doing this crowdfunding round. So I was kind of putting together like an update on Gumroad for the crowdfunding round, actually. Mm-hmm. And I yeah, kind of sent an email to to, to Jason uh, Freed from Basecamp. And I said, hey, we're, we're, we're going to do this crowdfunding round. One, do you want to invest? And two, like, you know, 
this is what you're investing in, right? We're a weird company. Like, don't invest unless you kind of know right. uh, how we run. And he's like, this is fascinating. Like the the way you know he you know Basecamp kind of pioneered a lot of these. Yeah, they were early... they were first and foremost on remote, right? Exactly. Yeah, remote, and even I think they pay everyone in the world the same. Like they 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 yep. they have kind of pioneered a couple of these things, and. And he's like, this is actually like more radical than us. Where like we don't even, you don't even have employees at all, which is, which you know, can have its own, you know, there can be cons to that, right? Um, Certainly, but you should address it. I think it's 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 interesting. So I kind of pulled that out of the, and and sort of wrote a piece specifically on that, and kind of highlighted like why I think it might be appealing and what what the costs may be because I think there are costs. Like I, I don't think we're moving as fast mm-hmm. um, as we would be if we were all in person in San Francisco or something like that. Right. Um, but I think that's fine. Like, I think our goal is not to move as fast as possible, right? We're, we're a different kind of company. We're not competing with another company for one spot. And, you know, that's, that is co-located and living in San Francisco. So I think at the right. end of the day, you know, when you're, when you're running a company, you have to remember you're not in a vacuum, right? Yeah. And so you can come up with whatever, you know, holy ideas you have. But at the end of the day, if your business dies, your business dies, you don't, you don't get to implement those cool ideas. But that was kind of the transition. It was very gradual. Like there wasn't really a master plan of like, Right. This is the way that we, you know, work needs to happen. It was like, hey, I want to run a company that I want to run forever. Mm-hmm. And if I run it the old way, I will get burnt out like I had. And I would just, you know, I, when I spoke to sort of investors in the crowdfunding round and just generally the sense I got was it's not that I'm running Gumroad the right way. Like I'm the, the this is the exact perfect way to run it. But if if anyone else had run Gumroad, it would not be around today. Mm-hmm. Because it would we would have sold the business, or it would have we would have taken it to a zero, like just right. the like leaving San Francisco to move to you know Provo and taking two years to let the the thing grow and hiring contract like that just yeah. that would not have been a, an option most people would have taken, yeah. and so that really just reminds me to keep leaning into my weird sort of for you sure. Know, sort of vision for for what I think this this thing may may want to look like right well, because. In all the other cases, it would it would in all the other parallel universes where you know Gummer doesn't exist, right? So, may so, as well kind of like keep pushing it and see where this thing ends up, right? And we have some cool ideas. I'm happy to talk about. But. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I, I you say you're weird, but I I don't think you're that weird. I think you're just the first one to act on a lot of things that people resonate with, right? Like, I remember I I did YC back in 2012, a long time ago, and you know it just wasn't for me at the time that time in my life. I wrote I don't comment on Hacker News very much because you know. It's the, it's the internet forums. But, you know, one time I wrote a thing saying like, hey, when I did YC, I realized most of these people don't want to grow a unicorn. They just want to start a business that like works well for them in their lives. It's just mm-hmm. happened so that like something like YC and the startup path the is just the most, it's just, it's the way it's, it's sort of yeah. the default. Like we don't know any better. And that was like the one comment I've gotten that's ever gotten more than like two upvotes. <laughs> but, but I think, so that's I, fascinating. I, think, I mean, I think that's important yeah. for people to hear, right? Because I think, and that's something that I think resonated with a lot of people when I, it, which wasn't my intent when I published reflecting right. on my ability to build a billion dollar company, which was like, people were like, oh, like he's just kind of going on for the, like, it's just, a, it's like playing a video game or something. It's like, hey, do you want to, you want, and you take the controller and it's like, hey, you're playing, you got to kill this boss. And you're like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll do that. You yeah. don't even ask, is this boss evil or, you know, like maybe that's the good guy, you know, you just kind of <laughs> right. do it. And I think there is this thing where you get into some very exclusive, very hard to get into program. And so it must, like, why would you not, right? Yeah. Like, it must be the right thing to do because so few people get a shot. People are giving you millions of dollars. Like, you kind of buy your own BS because the BS is telling you how awesome you are, right? So <laughs> yeah. 
so there there's there's a lot of there's kind of a lot of that but that yeah, yeah. i think i think it's true most people are looking for you know freedom you know for for like a partner in life like these things that like you don't even think about when you're starting a business you're not like consciously aware of those things right. but they are factoring into your kind of subconscious because at the end of the day we are you know we have an, we have a sort of animal instincts right we have yeah we have of course even desires that grow beyond you know uh having twitter followers or you know or something like that yeah pretty, certainly. that's a pretty new thing yeah and, and i think you kind of touched on it like i think a lot of people are just aren't good at determining like what's your goal right like obviously a company exists to make profits in, in some way or like grow enterprise value or shareholder value right but you know ultimately you're the founder you could do whatever you want uh, and it feels like you really kind of kind of came to terms with that throughout that whole journey yeah and I, the word that i like to use is a is like a vessel where you have i have gumroad which is like this amazing thing that is much more leveraged than i am like it's kind of like a car that i can drive and it's yeah it's like what what can i use this for right what problems in the world can i point this thing at which contains amazing engineers amazing designers a brand that people are aware of you know a balance sheet that has a bunch of money on it and that is in, incredibly valuable to me because what it allows me to do effectively is look at the future and say i can basically explore the world and say anytime i think that there's an interesting enough problem uh -huh. i can go solve that problem and I don't even need to raise money. I don't need to hire anyone because I already have them. We're right. we're always doing stuff. And yeah, but I think it, it took a lot of sort of of thinking and and sort of visualizing and trying to get a sense of like and trying and failing other things, right? To be like, oh, this is yeah, this makes sense to me. Like this is what I like to do. And I think the other thing is like what what has been helpful to me is just look at what I used to do, mm -hmm. right? And say I'm probably not that different than like 18 year old Sahil. Like I, <laughs> I I'm like a little bit older, a little bit wiser, a little hopefully like more self-aware, but at the end of the day, like a lot of the, the same per personality sort of traits that were driving me then are probably still going to drive me today, the good ones and the bad ones. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and so I still, for example, like I still like building stuff. And so I think it's, it's important for me to have a company that always stays small enough that I can wrap my own head around it because I'm not the best engineer in the world. Right. Like mm -hmm. I'm not going to be able to like go to Twitter and like help them fix their problems or something like that. I, I hear um, they're hiring right now though. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they need a, you know, a good at prototypes or something. But uh yeah, but but Gumroad, I you know, we we're, we're going to make decisions that will always allow for people like me to be able to do to do that sort of thing. And I, I spoke at a conference uh, last year actually and I used the term like Gumroad is a sawhill first company, mm -hmm. um which I would never say like on the record the, fir the first time around, but it really resonated with people and mm -hmm. Kind of weird. It was kind of a joke, right? And it was in the context. It was you know someone was like, oh, the, the, we we build people first companies, and I said, you know, Gumroad is kind of a saw first company, and uh, oh, but one then, people the, company. <laughs> the one, yeah, exactly, because there's only one person. But what what I think the the core is like if you don't if you don't build for yourself, what's the point, right? Like mm -hmm. you have to kind of save yourself, then you can help other people. And I, I I have a lot of friends, frankly, that that are running businesses that they don't enjoy working on, right? Mm -hmm. Like they have they're killing it. It's growing. They have hundreds of employees they're whatever you know very successful on paper but they don't like the, working at that company they do it yeah. because you know it's it's driving the value they're super valuable to the company they're they're kind of currently irreplaceable or they feel like they are but they made decisions because they were prioritizing the growth of the company versus a company that they themselves wanted to work for right um and that that to me i, I just don't it's it's a weird i don't know like why right like it, why work that hard 
to do something that unlikely, like in terms of how rare it works out and then say, and even though we won, we still, I still lost because I I wasn't able to build the thing that I really wanted to build, like a a company that would employ that I would want to work for. Right. Like what's the whole, like, yeah, why not just work at it? You know, I don't know. It's, it's, and I'm not saying, you know, people have all sorts of reasons uh, to, to do what they want to do, but sure. I've always, yeah, I've always felt like if I'm doing something for a goal or for mm-hmm. a destination, then like, I must not be happy with where I am, right? Like mm-hmm. I must, I'm more focused on getting there than, than what, what I'm currently doing. And so how can I reframe what I'm currently doing to say, no, I, I, I enjoy doing this. Like, I, I think it's, it's fun, right. you know, to fix this bug, even though maybe, you know, it's not going to result in a billion dollar company or, or something like that. Right. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, we touched on it before. So much of it is, this is just the line share of what you see in the media, right? Like there, you're not going to read about small companies that make a few million in on, yes. on the news. Right. But I think the types of people who want to run these huge, huge businesses are truly the exception and not the rule. Like the types of people who are like the Elons <laughs> and the Jeff Bezos's of the world should really truly be a small fraction, but there's so many people relatively kind of chasing that kind of a thing. So that's I mean, part of my goal is to kind of highlight more of these stories that most regular people you talk to would be far happier with a gum road than like building like a Twitter or something, you know, some other yeah. of these big venture back companies. So I think, you know, reframing how we think about how you build a company, I think is the most interesting thing that I've seen from just talking and, and reading some of your stuff. So I, I guess to like dig a little bit more into specifics of how gum road works right now, like, Tell me, like, what are some of the, like, surprising things about running your company this way? Like, it sounds like you hardly have any meetings. Um, everyone is between 20 to 35 hours, I saw, like, has, is, like, sort of the optimal range. Like, what are some of the things that have been surprising in terms of, like, oh, this actually works really well. And, oh, this is actually the trade-off and, like, why somebody might not want to work here. Yeah. I mean, I think the the biggest trade-off you have to make is you have to hire people and, uh, like, where they're at. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of other companies, most companies, I would say, um, are, are built to train. Right. So there's sort of, you know, if you're like a McDonald's or a P&G or something like you hire people and then you kind of train them up within your organization, potentially for you know a, a whole career's worth. Right. Like a long right. time. This is how these institutions kind of work. And even a lot of these kind of bigger tech companies are like that. And I think with Gumroad, it's sort of like I want to hire people who are good now mm-hmm. and they're going to be good when they leave. And they're going to leave in three to four years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and like Gumroad is kind of a step on their personal journey. It's not their career. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I think that's a big trade-off is that you are limited in the kinds of people you get to hire. Uh, the way I think about Gumroad is it's kind of like running a basketball team, right? Mm-hmm. Where like you're not going to have 300 basketball players, right? Your goal is to have like 10 Steph Currys, right? And really <laughs> find those kinds of people. And that's the beauty of software. The beauty of leverage is you don't need hundreds and hundreds of people. Mm-hmm. I think the... People are surprised at how autonomous people can be. And I don't know why, because I've never worked at a large company. And so I feel like, well, you give them access to what customers are saying, and you give them access to the code and the data and all the tools they would need to solve problems. Uh And they'll do that. Like I've actually found that in the last couple of weeks, even I've just, I've just nuked parts of the roadmap. I just deleted Uh it. And I just told the support team, for example, like, hey, you know, there's a bunch of bugs that are here that I just deleted. And if you think a bug, like someone reports a bug you think is worth, fi- worth fixing, just like find a person to fix it. And like uh-huh. that has worked so much better already. <laughs> you know? 
And it's like, there's all this process that I think people, and this is the big thing that I think is surprising to people is how little process you need. If you hire, and this is, I think the, the two sides of that coin is you have to hire a re- really well in, right. or, you know, in, the, in terms of that autonomy. But if you can do that, then the amount of process and structure you need is very, very, very low, right? Imagine I could probably contribute to Ruby on Rails tomorrow, right? Like mm-hmm. I could, because that thing is super well documented, super well spec'd out. There's a bunch of issues. They're, they're well written. There's a bunch of context. And because it's open source, like it's been tested that way that, you know, it, it worked. I know that's how it is, right? And so I think of Gumroad like that, where it's like, it should be so easy to grok and understand like an open source project that you join the company. And this often happens where like, I'll do a phone call with somebody who's, you know, joining on Monday or something. And they almost never have any questions for me, you know, because it's all out there. Right. It's yeah. like, yeah, I read the blog post. I know this, I know that. Like, yeah. I know how much you're gonna pay me. And you know, I know why you would fire me. Like, you know, <laughs> I know why you do fire me. Like, I know how you will. Like, there's all yep. of this clarity. Um, and I, I would say that's the other trade-off because I don't mind doing that. I really right. like documenting, I really like writing, I really like having clarity in, in in what will happen and why it will happen, and almost kind of allow people to to kind of predict their own future in a way. Yeah. But I, I know a lot of people don't like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Who just are more thinking about allowing for that creativity where you just want to hire people and then mm-hmm. you don't want you don't want the clarity, you know, um, because, you know, you it, it forces you to pick a direction, for example. But yeah, I don't know. The only other trade off is like you don't get to work people to the bone. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the social engineering <laughs> yeah. that, you know, free lunches and working late. And, it, and by the way, it's super fun. Like I enjoyed working late. I enjoyed like it's. it's yeah. It's, it's a vol, you know, as long as it's voluntary and consensual, like I, I think there's nothing wrong with with that every once in a while. But it, I've never seen that really work remote. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's just not fun, right? You, like you don't have the vibes of sitting next to fun. somebody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you'll pull an all nighter once a year if you can, like have like a nice, fun champagne pop at the end or whatever, right? Like there, right. You need that uh, that reward mechanism, and I think. When you have the the remote thing, I think the lows are are not as low, uh, mm-hmm. but the highs are not as high, right? You're kind of just yeah. is just operating at just more stability generally. Mm-hmm. So we're never going to have like some crazy party. We're also never going to have like a lease that we have to get rid of, right? And so that's just kind of the trade off generally is that like it's just less sexy, right? Like to your yeah. point, we aren't Jeff Bezos, we aren't Elon Musk. <laughs> I'm probably not going to get on the cover of Forbes anytime soon. <laughs> Although <laughs> that's not necessarily, yeah, that's not sure. a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. Like a lot of people, uh, and I think this is really key uh, for, you know, I think it's really key for founders to understand like why are you starting this business, right? Right. Because if you are starting it to get on the cover of Forbes, like, which by the way, a lot of people, they may not realize like they may be doing it for reasons like that, you know, like you want to impress your mom or your high school friends or or something (laughs) like that. Right. But like at the end of the day, like this is a hard way to get there, you know, definitely. Uh, like building a company is, is not, it's, it's kind of like people who are, you know, like who like think like starting companies is, is fraudulent or scammy or whatever. And I'm like, there's, there's a reason like basically software engineers don't really commit fraud. Like most of the time, these, these scam artists, like they end up being non-technical, like mm-hmm. SPF. It's because there's easier ways to make money if you know how to code, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't yeah. need to do that. Definitely. Like you can actually just build a product, you know? I, I feel like what you've done really well is like be clear on what your company is and is not. And I think a lot of companies don't know that. So I've, you know, I've read through like the notion docs that you guys have talking about how your company works, how you hire, how you pay. 
And like, I'm not going to lie. I was like, shoot, I should hit that apply button. I sent it to some friends and I, and they're like, wow, this is like, this is refreshing, right? Because it's like, I can self-select right there. Is this right for me? Is it not? Yeah. And, and by the way, of- that's a fear, right? Because a lot of people, they're scared that people will self-select out, right? Let's mm-hmm. say you've just raised $20 million in venture capital and you're, and you're like, we need people. We need to grow. We don't, you know, everyone, you know, we want this to be a sort of a big funnel. So like, let's not scare anyone, right? Mm-hmm. The problem is like, fast forward two years, what's happening, right? All these companies are doing layoffs. Why? I I would say at least a part of it is that they probably had this really wide funnel. We're trying to grow really fast. Yeah. And now we're looking back and saying, hmm, maybe we hired like too aggressively. Maybe we hired the wrong kinds of people. You know, it just, yeah. And I, I think that is, it's a fear that I feel, you know, like I read those docs a lot and I say, hmm, like, am I too aggressive here? Like, I want to make sure I'm not alienating someone here. Cause I, you know, I do right. care about those sorts of things too, but but yeah, I, th- I think it's really important. I think most of the job of of, of hiring is to actually alienate the the wrong kinds. Yeah, of it, it's filter filter yeah. more Otherwise, than. Otherwise, like, imagine how much time I would be spending right yeah. talking to dozens and dozens of people every week. Instead, I just say, hey, look, like send me a Ruby on Rails project that you built. Yeah. And if you haven't built one, build one. You know, and like, yeah, a lot of people will say, okay, never mind, I won't. Mm-hmm. You know, apply, and that's fine right now i'm testing it out we'll see you know mm-hmm. um and but i i you know i've often found a pattern in people who are willing to kind of go above and beyond and and say yeah i'll spend like you know four or five hours like learning this thing and hacking this thing just to show that i i'm, I'm committed to this right mm-hmm. um and so yeah anyway yeah so um i think this is in chapter seven of your book i i, I read through it uh but it's clear like with everything in Gumroad, you, you broke this conventional wisdom. You started challenging, like, why does a company have to look any specific way? So you did that with remote work pre-pandemic along with other companies like Basecamp. And co- but COVID obviously pushed that to, like, it's mainstream now. It's not like a fringe idea. Are there other aspects of company building that you've broken down, kind of challenged conventional wisdom, you know, going back to first principles, like a lot of people say, um, other things like that that you guys have challenged and, and rethought? Yeah, I mean, I think I think allowing people to work less than 40 hours a week is a massive one. This is a, this is a thing that maybe is available to certain roles, but I think to say the core role at the at the generally, you know, a software company which is the software engineers, like to say that they're also allowed to work like less than 40 hours a week, 20 hours a week, 25 hours a week, 30 hours a week, I think is 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 pretty disruptive. Yeah. Um and pretty powerful. And I think TBD on like how it'll work long term and how many other companies pick it. But I think that's a that's a big one to basically declare that like the bottleneck of our growth is not number of software engineering hours purely, you know. Mm-hmm. And I also think that that does things around hiring too. Like it changes the math on like how much time you can spend hiring a new person because if you're only going to get 20 hours a week out of them, you know, instead of 55, like you have to, it's like, you know, a third, you know, of sort of effort you should probably be spending equivalently. And so you have to kind of think of more scalable ways right. to do it and, and 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 that kind of thing. I think equity is also pretty key. Like mm-hmm. part of what we're building internally is is a way to give everyone everyone in the company equity in the company, no matter how much or, le- or little they work. Uh, because mm-hmm. I think this often happens where, you know, you have these like different classes of people who work at the company. Some people have equity, some people don't, some people are full-time, some people don't, some people are in the office, some people aren't, et cetera. And I think it's important to say like, Nobody's in the office, you know, everybody gets equity, you know, nobody's a, a full-time employee, right? Like there are no perks, there, there's no class A, class B. And I think that's really, really, really important. 
and it has to kind of come from the top, I think, right? Because ultimately it's, yeah. it's, it's, I think a lot of people want to work this way, right? I think, I think the, the sort of mission for me is to talk to a lot of other founders and CEOs and say, Hey, like, don't you also want to work less, right? Like right. at some point, do you, don't you want to figure out how to run this business? Um, and not just work less, but potentially pay less too, right? Because if, mm-hmm. if engineers are working 20 hours a week, you probably don't have to pay them for 40 hours a week, right? Yeah. Um, and so if we head to a recession, maybe this is a, a way to kind of recalibrate. And my hope is that it re- sort of the entire economy has to kind of recalibrate like this. Right. Uh, because frankly, I just, there's just not enough jobs. Like it feels like, it just feels like there's the, not enough jobs people really want to do. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, I don't know. It just feels like there's kind of a, a mismatch in like the kinds of people that want to do the jobs and the jobs that are available. And like, there's some really good jobs that are, you know, are empty seats that are empty and then some really bad jobs that are taken. And it, it just doesn't. Yeah. And so I, I don't know. I think, I think maybe saying, Hey, look, like maybe this, you know, one way we can employ more people is to have three people, you know, work 20 right. hours a week. Right. Instead of one person work 60. Right. Well, this isn't even, this isn't even like a new idea. I, I just spoke to one of my old friends and she, she works in Germany now. Uh, but in Germany, they actually even, I don't, I don't know how successful it is to be honest, but they have this idea where multiple people can work one job together. <laughs> so that's, it, it's wow. like a concept that exists out there. And, you know, I want to get back to that equity piece that you mentioned, but, but one thing you said that was really interesting just on, you know, if someone's only working 20, 25 hours a week, you have to be a lot more efficient with their time. Yeah. Something I've seen, you know, I, I read a lot of Hacker News, read like a post about part-time work. One of the complaints everyone says is like, nah, this, this, no way this can work because I'm in scrum meetings for like 13 hours a week. So like you just mm-hmm. lost half my time. And I, I feel like people are coming from the position that you have to run the business one way. And yeah, therefore if I was part-time in scrum meetings work. 13 hours a week, you'd lose me too. You exactly. Know? Like, but but you've obviously adapted your company death. around that. <laughs> yes. Like, so, and I think um, you mentioned before with like onboarding, like I felt like I could just jump into your company like immediately after reading those nut docs. Obviously I got to learn the code base a bit, but it felt like an onboarding for me would take a day. And then if I already know rails and stuff, it's like, Oh, I'm productive in week one. Yeah. Yeah. And you should be basically, I, you know, the expectation is on the second day, right? The first day you might be setting up reading stuff, but basically on the second day, you should kind of be writing at least some code. And yeah, I mean, and I, and I really think that a lot of companies that should be like this, even the companies that are like 10 or hundred times larger than government, because at the yeah. end of the day, this is what software should enable mm-hmm. is that the only difference is it takes like 10 seconds to download the repo, you know, yeah. instead of one second, right? Like at the end of the day, like you should be able to kind of abstract away the things that you need, uh, that you don't need to think about and, 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 and write the code in a way that's manageable. Because I think one line I, I read somewhere was like, basically that, you know, if, if a code base feels like it was written by one person, like that, that's the dream, right? Where like, because it means that one person can join the company and wrap their entire head around it. Right. Just like a painting should look like it was painted by one person, even though many of these famous paintings, you know, had dozens of people working on them. Right. right. Um, you want that consistency. Uh, but I think one of the best ways to, to get that consistency is to say, well, let's limit the scope of what we're building and make sure that we we are kind of building something that one person could build. It might take them a long time. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but it's possible to sort of wrap your head around it as a single person. Right. We're not, for example, Stripe probably couldn't have been shipped by one person. Right. Um, but Gumroad certainly could have, and I, I, and, and was right. The first version was shipped by one person. And so iterating on that, I think, you know, like it's, it's like we have a clear sort of, we know it was possible. So as long as we don't lose that, right. Um, it, it will be able to maintain it. But yeah, I think, I think it's key that, I mean, people should join and feel like they, they just downloaded some repo from the internet and they're able to start hacking. Right. right. Like the idea that you join a company and then you have to like show up to a bunch of meetings to learn how to work 
it just seems, it doesn't seem accurate, right? Like it doesn't align with all of the other things that I've built where I can just download something or I can, I, for example, like you don't, you don't, you download a video game and you pl start playing the video game, right? Like you don't, you don't like call, you don't have like an onboarding call with like Rockstar where they teach you. It's like, no, they yeah. figured out, well, they, they could do that. Instead, they just put the onboarding call in the video game, right? Right. Uh, and so it's similar with Gumroad, which is like, there are things that I used to do manually, you know, like when we had an office in San Francisco, I'd go for an hour long coffee and, and like hang out with them the first day. And, you know, we, and now we just do that via, you know, I just figured out, okay, these are the kind of questions that everyone asks. So like, let's, let me just write a doc about that. And then before it was like, you get that, you read that doc on day one, and, you mm -hmm. know, now you read that doc before you join. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, but it, it, but again, trade-offs, I think a lot of people are just uncomfortable exposing quote unquote, exposing themselves like that. Like, Oh, right. the world will know. And th this is another <laughs> thing that happens is, it, you know, people look at the government code base and they're like, that's it. Like, mm -hmm. and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like it's, it's a website, you know, like it's yeah. like the tech stack for Gumroad is like really for service. You know, it's like not that crazy, right? You have like DNS, you have Cloudflare, AWS, Stripe, SendGrid, Twilio, you know, yeah. like it's, it's, there's a bunch of other stuff that's kind of, you know, I, I think that's also like, I don't know, it's something that I really, I want to communicate to people. Cause I think it goes to your idea of like people, they, they, YC offers some model, right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, this is what you need to, you need to raise all this money because clearly building a technology product is crazy. And it's like, well, what if you realized it was actually like a Python file, you know, mm -hmm. and like a few hundred lines of code and you can like right. use Stripe to start accepting payments and like, you don't like, yeah. you don't need a lot of that other stuff. Well, the thing the the question YC doesn't ask you at the beginning is, do you want to build a unicorn? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> they, they, they may have changed, right? And like, that's what they want long term. But I think, you know, we talked about at the beginning, it fits their model to want to take a bunch of shots, even if you're not sure you want to do that at the yeah. beginning. Yeah, and their um, number and one goal is right to basically, the, and I think the way they measure success is like how many companies raised money on demo day, right? right. And so... If you have that framing, and that's that's important for YC because if if, the, if yeah. the framing was how many companies get to profitability, well, like how does YC benefit? You know, it would require a completely different business yeah. model, which I think could be fascinating if someone were to try that. And I think there are some experiments, but yeah, but yeah, it just doesn't it just doesn't benefit YC enough. And I think that's the other the the tension that investors and founders will always have is, is that founders can only take one shot at a time. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and VCs, especially YC can take a hundred shots a year. And so the, the, the incentives, the time frame, like YC, basically a year into your company, they forget about you. Right. Mm -hmm. And you are 10% into your company's life. Uh, and so like the, the decisions that they're going to want to make are very, very, very different. Yeah. Right. Like they'd want you to get married to the first person you start dating. And, you know, like <laughs> that's the way that they think, because if, if all of their kids did that, it would work out, you know, like whatever thing they're optimizing for would still statistically work out better for them. But you know, the nine divorces, you know, they don't have to <laughs> or whatever. So, yeah. So, so we have a lot of people, you know, who kind of listen to this podcast, who, who, who read the newsletter, who really, they're like intrigued by this idea of part-time work. So I'd love to hear a little bit about the people that work at Gumroad. Like what types of people are there? You know, it's probably not, I'm guessing it's probably not for people like right out of school or it's their first job, but you know, what kinds of mix of people do you have? Where are they in their life? Are they parents and they need that flexibility? Like what, what are you seeing from these, um, from these folks? And, and also as an event, like are a lot of these people doing multiple jobs or are just reduced hours or a mix? Yeah. Yeah. In terms of where people are at in their careers, it's a mix. I would say it's, it's people who are 
successful. Like they, they, they're, they're not new grads generally. They're probably three, four, five, six years into their careers. They're probably, they're, they're generally very successful, um, but they're kind of tired of meetings. Like that, that, that seems to be a big one. It, it may be because they have kids. Um, it may be because they don't want to commute to an office. It may be because like they just think meetings are annoying and stupid. But generally, it's people who are like, they know they're good and they wish that they could just kind of ship, right? And that, that may mean code, that may mean design, that may mean just answering support tickets, right? right. Um, but generally, it's people who just want to get work done. They know they're good. They also know kind of what they want in life. Mm. And so that they, they don't want to think about work more than, you know, they really need to, right? Mm. And, and they're, they're very, it's, it's more transactional, frankly, right? Like there are people who yep. are just like, this is, it's, it's like, this is what I want. Gumroad's paying me this. It's the best deal and I'm, you know, and, and it, it's great for everyone involved, I think. Um, yeah. And I would say the, the, the thing that's been surprising to me is that there's not that many people who are startup people, right? So it's generally not people who are like, I'm going to learn how a startup works and then I'm going to go raise money for my own startup. That does happen every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's mostly people who are like, they think of software engineering, like being a doctor or being a dentist, and they just mm-hmm. want work-life balance. And they think that government is a great option for them, right? And they wish that there are probably 50 or 100 other companies. And hopefully we can kind of make that happen collectively because I, I think the demand is totally there. And like the quality of people who, who would sign up for these roles, you know, all these thousands of people that are getting laid off from Stripe and Twitter and these things like, yeah, would you think they're going to go back to an office? I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. I, I think they're, 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 a lot of them left, you know, like a lot of them are, they can't, they're like living in the mountains now, you know? And so, yeah, I, I, I think it's a huge opportunity to hire like great quality people who are kind of like mid to senior level talent. You know, I would say the other thing is they're, they're not overly concerned about their growth in the sense that like their goal is not to be the best possible, you know, engineer at, you know, distinguished engineer at Google or something like that. Right. Like they're, they like coding. Right. But they also don't think of it like some magical worshipable skill. Like, you know, sometimes like people get super excited about it. It's just, it's just a job, you know, it's just a way to, to contribute to society. And in a way that I think that's just a big thing is it's just like, it's a very low ego. Like there's no cultish behavior, Uh you know, there's no Kool-Aid, you know, there's no, there's no, just a job. Like we just, we just ship and people and, and Gumroad is like that too. Like, you know, people use Gumroad and, uh, we, we we don't get too you know too egotistic about oh you know we're like the essential pillar in these people's lives and like if we yeah. threw a party they'd all show up it's like you no know, for most people like they may not even think about government anymore but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean we're not providing value right sure and so i think that yeah. i think that's also kind of kind of key is like you need to hire people who are like okay kind of just like doing the job they're not trying to get a bunch of twitter followers they're not you know they're just yeah. normal people you know that exist that it's you know, they read my tweets, they, they read the blog posts, they, they you know, mm-hmm. like most people, um, kind of like the YC founders that, you know, don't, they're not super loud. Like most YC founders, like, Hmm, maybe I, you know, what am I doing here? Like, what the hell's yeah. going on? Um, Definitely. So, you know, most yeah, people and, find a good job for themselves. And, 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 and so I think that's the majority of people. And respect right? too, right? Like the power yeah. of no meetings is, is it's basically saying, I respect your ability mm-hmm. to decide what you want to work on, to keep yourself accountable. And by the way, if you fail, like I'll tell you, hey, this is not working. You know, I I need more updates on this kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And it's it's normally like that. It's literally just it's just like, hey, I would love just like biweekly updates, you know. Um, and if it doesn't happen, I'll say, hey, you know, I asked you this. I can ask you once more. But like if you know, and and normally people, you know, people fix it or they don't fix it or whatever. But it's like 
the amount of people like I, you know, we have this thing that we do, which is, you know, we, we lay people off over, over Slack where we, we you mm-hmm. know, fire, go and go fire people over Slack. And every, every, every time, like I tell someone that we do this, they like, they're like, what, how does that work? Like, what is going, like, yeah. how do people deal with that? Like, is, you know, and, and I will show them like Slack messages, like screenshots, like, you know, anonymized and stuff. And it's like, thanks so much for the opportunity, you know, like, yeah. let me know if you're ever need help again. Like, mm-hmm it's because it's like it's just i hired them i created a job for them they did the work and now we don't need the work anymore it wasn't a fit anymore for whatever yeah. reason and we parted ways and it's well I, it's fine like yeah. i think what's really- I, I remember at gumroad the amount of oh my gosh like you'd walk into a one-on-one yeah. and be like, i hope this person doesn't quit i hope this person doesn't quit and it's right. like they're like oh you know how's how's life you know like they have nothing <laughs> you know and it's just the amount of anxiety that i feel yeah, like yeah. sometimes just comes with work just mm-hmm. I'm like why like why can't people say hey a gumroad's awesome but like in 2023 i want to work for a mobile app company you mm-hmm. know and like i think gumroad's awesome so like no rush but like maybe summer of 2023 you know if, if you know anyone and i'm like cool like i'll keep that in mind you know like right. what's wrong with and i don't think anything is wrong with that it's just like no one is speaking no one is asking and like the risk is like you you might get fired you know yeah you might be like, hey, I, I, doesn't this look thing look cool? And it's like you got to, you might be scared that you know I DM you on Slack being like, I hate that company, you're fired, you know, like yeah. that. But that fear is so strong in people, like this kind mm-hmm. of irrational sort of paranoia. I think it's sort of evolutionary. We're very good at thinking about what could go wrong. Yeah. Um, and so I think that you just have to be super like constantly sort of talking, you know, uh, about no, this this is how we work. This is the way we do things. This is what we expect. If you if for example, if there's no Slack messages for me, you've done nothing wrong, like mm-hmm. nothing wrong, right? Like I will not let you go um, like without multiple warnings over multiple, you know, like sure. it just will not happen. Yeah. Uh, like, and even then people, you know, still, still, still kind of find paranoia, but like, I think it's, it's, it's just key to kind of keep reiterating these sorts of things. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I forgot. Yeah. How you there, that. That reminds me, I, I did like a marriage seminar once and the guy said, you know, uh, all conflicts are rooted in mismatched expectations. <laughs> and I feel like that's, that's what it is in like company building. But like, you know, the whole anecdote you gave about like, you know, you actually fire people over Slack, which my gut reaction as a manager is like, oh, that sounds really shitty. But actually it sounds like what you've done is you've created an environment where the expectations are so clear what is expected and what this company is and isn't that people yeah. are actually appreciative they're not appreciative to get fired but they're appreciative about the clarity and and the and the kind of heads up whereas i think a lot of companies these days that's not the you know when i look at some of these layoffs today like obviously they they suck and you know like certainly sympathies for empathy for the people who are laid off but it's like hey you joined a hyper growth company at a hyper growth time and like that can rubber band back at any time and that's sort of the name of the game doesn't mean you know know, we don't (laughs) care for those people and you know it, it it sucks but like that is sort of the name of the game and it sounds like you've done something very different uh, on kind of this side of where you're yeah at and, and also yeah like acknowledging like it, it i am the owner of this company and i do have you know i can do things because of that that no mm-hmm. one else can at the company and like i can take a week off and no, like no one's gonna fire me you know like yeah no one's going to fire you either, but like, I don't feel the paranoia you might feel, right? Because yeah. there's nobody else like behind me, right? Yeah. And and so I think that's also like really key. And I think a lot of the things that like, for example, this whole Elon Twitter thing, I think a, looking at his behavior, I'm sure there's improvements, but I think the biggest thing is just like mismanaged expectations. Like I think if he yeah. did a slightly better job, like just communicating more, like if he just said, look, I'm losing a lot of money 
on this deal every yeah. day. And it kind of happened in this weird way and it kind of sucks. And like, we would have maybe done a lot of these things over a year or two years. And like, I just have to kind of do this in three months and right. hopefully by 2023, it'll be, you know, but like, it's, it's right. just, just admitting like you're human, you know, and that like, yeah. you're also like, what the hell is going, you know? Yeah. Well, I, in the I feel same like, space. no, I just feel like on the Elon side, it's sort of the opposite of you. If you just came and said like, Hey, this is going to be a hardcore company. Like you want in, you want to like sleep at the office. Like, great. If not, like, here's your severance. Like that would have been a much better place to start. Instead yeah, of taking do that a while beginning. to get, yeah, it took a while to get there. Exactly. Certainly. Exactly. Um, I, I think yeah. people like, and there, there are people there that are like, finally, you know, like, thanks yeah. for at least being clear that mm -hmm. like, you need a, you're going to, you know, you need us in the office 60 hours a week and like 90% of us don't want that or, yeah. or whatever. But like, you know, and, and guess what? Elon is also scared. You know, he probably considered it and he was probably scared that if he did that right away, you know, Twitter would implode or something, yeah. you know, like, and, and, and that's the other thing I think it's important to say, like, these are my fears, right? Like mm -hmm. when I, for example, when I, when I talk to people at Gumroad, I say, we work in this awesome way that I would love to keep working <laughs> in, but it's only possible because we are really good at writing. We're really good at asynchronous communication. We have a really high bar uh, for, for who we hire. And when we realize we've made a mistake, we, we're honest about it and we try to fix those and, 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 and move on. And, and it's the, you know, we, it's, we do those things because it's the way we work is really important to us, right. but it, it's not, you know, not something we can take for granted. Right. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. And I think people, people at Gumroad really know that, right? They really understand like this is a very, and maybe, you know, in the future it is less unique and they don't have to, you know, uh, do, do everything sort of perfectly or whatever. But, you know, it's, it, people are like, yeah, this is a super rare opportunity. We got paid super well, especially if you're not based in the U S and, and like, let's, you know, it, it, yeah, we don't, you know, it's not ideal maybe that I have to write like a paragraph every week, you know, mm -hmm. but it's way better than, you know, three scrum meetings or something, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and that's the other thing. It's like, it's, it is trade-offs, right? It's really important to acknowledge that there are trade-offs that we are making here. And, you know, for example, like no one who is optimizing for their salary should work at Gumroad, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're optimizing for your salary, like go work at a big tech company, yeah, right? That they, they, they will, you know, beat us, you know, or they should, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, they should beat us. Like we shouldn't win that battle. But, you know, if you want to work 25 hours a week, um, on your own schedule, then, you know, we hope to be the best, but it will mean that you probably won't, you know, you are giving up some cash. Right. right. Um, and I think so, that's also important. A lot of people kind of sell themselves as like in every way better. Right. Um, it's like, Oh, you know, we're a startup inside a big company, you know, and it's like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> has that ever worked? You know, <laughs> that's it for part one of our interview with Sahil of India. In part two, we're going to talk a lot more about how equity works at Gumroad and how they're building a new product called Flexile, something they're using internally and then going to open up to the world soon. Part two drops in a week, so make sure to subscribe and follow. Thanks.